You're listening to the Trojan Tailgate Podcast Network. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome in to the Trojan Tailgate Podcast Network. We're back for another week. We made it on the airwaves one week. Um, and this week, we have a special guest who didn't, went, didn't have the pleasure of joining us last week. Um, before I introduce him, my name is Hampton Sipper. Um, but our guest, I'm going to let him um, introduce himself. So I'll leave the floor to him. What's going on, everybody? My name is Carson Pope. I'm an accounting major here at Troy University. Um, in my free time, I just enjoy talking about fantasy football, anything to do with sports, honestly. I'm fair game. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to joining everybody. And with that, I'm going to toss it over to my buddy Graham. It's glad, I'm glad to be back for week number two of the, the Trojan Tailgate Podcast Network. I had a lot of fun last week um, talking about stuff, and this week's going to be even better. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, um, here's Suave with the next thing. What's up guys. I'm glad, glad to be back again for week two of the Trojan tailgate podcast. Uh, can't wait to get, get y'all up to date on some injuries and some things, but let me pass it on to my friend Chase. What's going on everybody. Um, man, I feel like everybody that I, every team that I talked about last week, um, really did well and got a W this week. So, Maybe I'm going to try to be a little bit more accurate this week on my predictions and stuff like that. But thank you guys again for, uh, for tuning in. Um, thank you guys. Great group of friends I get to hang out with and do this with. Very excited for this week's episode. Yes, sir. Well, Chase, if you're not more accurate this week, boy, you're going to be on the chopping block for next week. So yeah, I'm going to have to say. I have to see, look, look and see if Indeed got any jobs for me. <laughs> <laughs> Check that Indeed, that LinkedIn, that ZipRecruiter, all that stuff. <laughs> well, this been. week, yeah, yes, sir. Um, well, this week we're going to recap second week of games. Um, old Suave is going to give us his weekly report. And our final question, final discussion for the podcast is going to center around a certain quarterback who has made a strong impression week two. So there's a little tease for you. So stick around for that. Um, so, Carson, how about you get us start off? What team impressed you um, in week two of NFL action? So the team that impressed me is going to be the New England Patriots. I know that they lost, but in my opinion, they lost to one of the top three teams in the league in the Seattle Seahawks. What really impressed me was the offense of the Patriots. Cam Newton looked phenomenal, and even though Russell Wilson had one of the best games of his career and threw five touchdowns, the Patriots were one play away from winning that game. And even though they came up a little short, that really shows me that they can be a contender later on down the road in the playoffs. Man, I think I think you're spot on, Carson. I mean, what a – what a week, man. I mean, I think that was the ultimate test of you went from playing Miami to all of a sudden the next week you're playing Russell Wilson, man. Like, holy crap. What, what, what a difference in competition. But I think what's crazy is that, yeah, like, man, like Cam did well. Belichick called a great game. But, dude, I, me, me and Graham sat at home and watched that game. And I want to know if you guys, can you name another receiver that plays for New England besides Julian Edelman? Like, who is he working with? Can y'all name anybody else? Uh, we got Nikhil Harry um, from Arizona State. He's a second-year player. Um, he's not an elite player by any stretch of the imagination, but you got him. You've got Jacoby Myers, which is a tight end. Uh, and then you got a couple other white dudes out there that I've never heard of. So <laughs> a typical uh, Patriot receiving core, you know? Dude, I mean, they, they literally look like some kind of, like, D3, you know, not even competing team, but, like, they got heart. That's, like, one thing I feel like you could always say about the Patriots. And, like, dude, I, like, I, I really am just so intrigued by how their team always rises to the occasion, and it's not just one person making plays, but you take someone like Cam, and it's just, like, what a freak of a, like, of a human being yeah. and what he can do. Uh, Graham, what did you, you find the most impressive – like most impressive thing about that game 
but before I really tell you what I liked about the game, I just want to send my condolences to James White and his family. Uh, he lost his dad in a car accident uh, just er- that early morning. So uh, just right before the game, he, he wasn't able to play, but still stayed in Seattle. So uh, our condolences to him and his family. But it just showed that the Patriots came to play whenever uh, they got the pick six on the opening drive. Uh, what did they say? They were giving the. They were just saying uh, to James White that they loved him and that they uh, were hoping the best for him. So it's really the Patriots, just a team that that really cares about each other, and uh, it kind of shows that on the field that that the Bill Belichick system is all about team play. It's not about having superstars. It's not about uh, having uh, one go-to person. It's about having a team that just really gets after it uh, on both sides of the ball. Um, but I was really impressed uh, with the Patriots showing up in Seattle. It's a really tough place to play. Uh, we know we're, we all know about the twelfth man in Seattle, um, and they weren't there this week because of because of COVID. But going to Seattle is always a hard game to play, especially at night, especially when you're traveling all the way across the country like the Patriots did. I was really impressed um, by Cam and, and and Bill Belichick and just the whole Patriots team. Just uh, the defense was was there and the offense was there too. It was it was a fun game to watch for sure. Yeah, um, I definitely agree. The offense was there. Uh, the defense, not so much. Uh, Stephon Gilmore got cooked by DK Metcalf. Um, mm. As impressed yes, I was, as impressed I as I was with the Patriots. That Seahawks offense is no joke, guys. Russell Wilson is a top. I would say he's the top quarterback in the league right now. You know, that might be a hot take, but I truly believe that. Um, they got a great running back in Chris Carson. Uh, DK Metcalf has taken his game to another level. Not only can he attack deep now, he has really, um, you know, honed his craft in on his route running. Uh, those slants and those underneath routes, he's even more dangerous. Tyler Lockett doing his thing, getting open all the time. I was really impressed with him as well. But, uh, the I mean, the Patriots showed a lot of heart. Uh, they never quit in that game, and they were down by double digits a couple times. So, kudos to both teams, really. I thought they uh, thought it was the best football game of the weekend, to be honest with you. Well, yeah. No, I, I totally agree, man. I mean, you love those why, – why I think if, if you love NFL, you love that it comes down to, like, sometimes the very last play. We had several games that, uh, that happened over this weekend that I think we'll get into here in a second. And I, I just had a – couple things I want to throw in I think that uh I think that one thing that I've come to realize is that Julio Jones is just one specimen of a human being and I think when you look at DK Metcalf I mean dude he's he scored on Stefan Gilmore man like that didn't Mm -hmm. happen last year and this guy who's his second year in the league caught it on one of the best corners in the league that we've seen in a very long time I was very impressed I look at his build I look at Julio's build I'm not saying they're the same player. I'm just saying, man, like, you just see the potential of uh, – mm-hmm. dude, if you're cooking Stephon Gilmore, bro, I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. And, and I would like to throw in that I think Cam on the other end, too, like, what a huge guy. I think he looks like Derrick Henry who can throw the football. <laughs> that's, that's my take. Yeah, I, 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 totally agree. I totally agree with that. He's a three-inch taller Derrick Henry that can throw, like you told me. Um, I think he texted me. Texted that to me this weekend. I couldn't agree more. Um, couldn't agree more. So I'm going to toss it over to you, Chase. Uh, what yeah, was, other team impressed you this weekend? See, this is this is kind of a crazy week, man. I, I think with with all the injuries, um, man, I'm, I, all the injuries. Let's talk about another team that lost this week that looked spectacular. Um, not in every facet, but like, dude, I mean, they, they showed up to play. And I think it's one of the biggest things in the NFL is that there are pro athletes on each side of the ball. Who's going to show up to play. And that team is the chargers, man. I mean, did you hear, did you, did you guys see the report that Justin Herbert was like told like 10 seconds before opening kickoff that he was going to be starting the football game and to see that that man came out, somebody that I was not high on coming out of the Mm. track. Came out and played some ball, fellas. Swab, what did you think about that? I actually liked it. Uh, you also have to account the Chargers. Both of their running backs ran for over a hundred yards against the Chiefs. Mm. Austin Eckler and Joshua Kelly ran for over a hundred yards, and Austin Eckler 
had over 69 yards of receiving. So the Chargers showed a lot of prospect. There's a few minor errors Justin Herbert may have made. There was one time he was scrambling off to the left side and easily two-yard rush for a first down, but instead he's instead he decides to throw it deep into quadruple coverage and it's picked. But I really did like it. What do you think about, about it, Graham? I just want to look into the stats. I mean, for getting to know that you're going to start the football game 10 seconds before kickoff, and you look at the stats that Herbert gave that Herbert put up, he had a 70, 67% completion percentage. He threw for 311 yards, had one touchdown and one interception. Uh, I'm throwing. And that leads to a 94.4 QB rating, which is probably the best that I've ever seen out of somebody that found out they were starting with about two breaths <laughs> in before true. kickoff. I, yeah. I, I was impressed. I mean, it, going against the you know the Kansas City Chiefs, the the reigning Super Bowl champions, like it just kind of showed that he didn't really feel too much pressure. He came to play. Um, I was I was very surprised in his performance. I I was kind of like Chase. I wasn't uh, too high on him uh, going into the draft. I thought he was uh, a little bit raw. Uh, didn't really face too many tough defenses in the Pac-12, but. He came and played for the Chargers, and I, I just don't know if they'll be able to give the job back to Tyrod Taylor after a performance like that. What do you think, Carson? Yeah, I was really impressed with the Chargers this week, not just their offense, but also their defense against the run. Clyde, Ed- Clyde Edwards-Alaire, the week before, set the NFL on fire, like did great fantasy-wise. He had over 100 yards rushing. He, um, he was held to 38 yards on 10 attempts, and I thought that was really impressive for the Chargers. And also what was really impressive about the Chargers to me was just their well-balanced attack on offense. Like you mentioned earlier, Swab, two running backs had over 100 yards. Herbert had a a really good game. Uh, Keenan Allen was involved a lot, and I just thought their offense as a whole looked really impressive this week. I I have a question for you. Hampton, do you mind if I bring you in this conversation real quick? I would love if you brought me into the conversation, brother. I want to bring you in, but I also want to, like – like give you this question that maybe you can end after like like you kind of end on. Um, okay. Are you are you scared about the Chiefs at all? But give me your answer. Like you can kind of talk for a second. But give me. Are, are you scared for the Chiefs at the end of the day? Okay. Um, before I answer your question, I'll give my brief analysis and that'll it. tie into my answer. Um, so, like you and Graham, I was not high on Justin Herbert coming out of college. He had all the tools, very athletic, rocket arm, but I didn't see him consistently put up big games against elite competition. I thought at many times he was mediocre. Um, Like last year, they had a chance to go to the college football playoff. They go to Arizona State and lose, and he plays poorly in that game. Um, So I was not high on him, but you can't argue with what he did uh, Sunday with going in there. Uh, off the cuff with no game prep really and just absolutely balling out and I think it wasn't only I mean the offensive coordinator to get did a great job of implementing bubble screens and easy passes to kind of get him into a rhythm but he stood in there and would take some licks and threw some absolute missiles um, down the seam Um, he threw one in the back of the end zone for a touchdown that was just a beautiful throw um, so I think he, you know, I think he played elite. I think that's his job. Um, I think Anthony Lynn is um, making a huge mistake if they start Tyrod again instead of him. Um, I saw a set today where, you know, that was his first start throwing for over 300 yards. Tyrod Taylor in 47 starts has only thrown for over 300 yards one time. Um, and in the NFL, if you don't stretch the ball down the field, you're not going to win games. Um, so I think the future is now. I think they should go with him. Now, the other part of the Chargers' performance, and this is get, we'll get into your question, Chase, is that defense. They have two elite rushers in Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa um, that can really affect the quarterback. And, I mean, Mahomes was kind of rattled, really, in the first mm-hmm. half. Uh, you know, they they couldn't get anything downfield going because they couldn't protect them long enough. They couldn't get a running game going to support them and have that balance that they had had um, against Houston. But I'm not worried about the Chiefs for this reason. 
because the same thing happened last year when they play. I believe they played the Chiefs on a Monday night. It was like week ten, uh, week eleven, and the it was like the identical script to how this game went. Chiefs started off slow, didn't play really well. Third and fourth quarter, they figured enough out to where um, they got a couple possessions together, won the game, and um, secured the victory. I think Phillip Rivers made a terrible pass at the end and lost the game. So I'm not worried about the Chiefs, but it does make you wonder, um, and not many teams have the personnel to do this, but if you have um, an elite defensive front, I think you can get the Chiefs – you can kind of neutralize the Chiefs, and that makes me very intrigued about the um, Ravens-Chiefs matchup on Monday Night Football coming up this week because I think the Ravens had that defensive personnel at corner and on their defensive line to create all sorts of matchup problems for the Chiefs. Mm. Take your time. Take your time. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, So I think I I was really impressed with uh, the Chargers this week for sure. but what, I, to answer your own question, what do you think about that? Uh, the question that you posed? Yeah, man, I, I, I really just don't know. I think that maybe they were taken off guard. And, dude, I, I think that Anthony Lynn is a great coach. I, I really just enjoy how he coaches his team. I think he builds from, like, kind of, like, from the, kind of the trenches going forward, especially, like you said, on that defense line, man. It is nasty. But great, yeah. like so. So I think that I mean, dude, the Chiefs will be fine. They've got Patrick Mahomes. They've got Travis. Kel- they've they've got it, man. They'll be fine. And like you kind of convinced me that this is you can't you can't do well every week. Um, you're gonna yeah. have some weeks that you just don't play well. It takes you a second to get ready. And uh, this that was this week for them. Um, maybe it gives them a ch- like kind of a reality check. And I think we all need that. But Graham, I wanted to bring you in just just to maybe uh, cap this off before we move on. Graham, you said something last week about. The Tyrod Taylor experiment, like it was an experience or experiment, and this is what happens every time they bring him in, is it not? I think that the Browns went through the same thing and they brought him in, and he he kind of like gets hurt slash loses the job, and then you start going with the rookie. Can, can you talk a little bit more about like what you meant by that and how it's almost come to fruition? Yeah, so when you look at it, you, you see Tyrod Taylor uh, coming to these different teams. He, he started out. Uh, made a splash with with the Buffalo Bills, and then made his way to the Browns, and now has made made his way to the Chargers. I, I feel like teams just think he's such a safe option, uh, which is fine going forward, but it's not going to win you a whole lot of games uh, down the road. Like it, it's a good idea, a good idea in theory. It's like, well, Tyrod Taylor's not going to lose us many football games. You know, he's not going to uh, turn the ball over too much, and you know, if he wins us, you know six, seven games this year, we'll take it. But it goes to show that when you when you draft a quarterback really high that has the uh, the attributes and the, you know, just everything about Justin Herbert, you know, the, the eye appeal and just everything like that, it's hard not to play someone like that that can – that really can sling the rock and uh, can, can make plays downfield um, as compared to Tyrod Taylor, who is kind of a uh, – a short throw guy can scramble a little bit. Um, so I, I think that he was a, a one-year play for the Chargers, but it, it kind of goes to show that maybe, maybe they don't even need him anymore. I mean, with Justin Herbert uh, stepping up this Sunday, I mean, I I don't know if he's got a spot on that team anymore. Hmm. I, you know, maybe a backup, but um, I think if you're uh, a Charger fan or if, or if you're Anthony Lynn, um, you should be very, very excited because um, out of all the quarterbacks that we saw get drafted uh, in, early in, in the draft, we were we were all kind of skeptical about uh, Justin Herbert and definitely think that he needed to to take some time to get adjusted to the speed of the NFL, the uh, NFL concepts and uh, reading defenses. And it just – he was just ready to go. So I don't know if we uh, undervalued him – um, in the draft process, or if the the Chargers really found uh, a gem in Justin Herbert, but it'll be exciting to see going forward uh, whether uh, Justin Herbert is, is the long term guy in uh, Los Angeles for the Chargers. Yeah, Graham, I I, I totally agree with you, man. Totally agree. Um, Suave, you wanted to you wanted to bring up a team this week. Who you got for us? Yes, I wanted to bring up the Saints. You could tell there's a. They played a great game against the Raiders. The Raiders opening game in the stadium, and 
Las, Las Vegas. You, you want to start off with a bang and get a big win. But you can tell that with the Saints down, their top receiver and Michael Thomas, their offense just looked out of shape. I, I do believe they will pick it back up. But when you look at Emmanuel Sanders is supposed to be their top number one receiver when Michael Thomas goes down and he has one catch and it happens in the fourth quarter with two minutes left in the game, there's something going on with that. Well, what do you think about that, uh, Chase? Man, I watched that whole game, and, and being a uh, Kamara owner, um, I like the way the game went down. Um, but, dude, I, I, <laughs> I bet I'm, you did. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest, though, man. I, I really like watching Sean Payton just, like, when, he, when he's got all his weapons going, man. Man, what a fun guy to watch. Uh, just, like, it, 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 I think he's a good play caller, but, like, when, I love watching the plays that he designs. But, dude, when you take away their best player in Michael Thomas, um, people are talking about how, like, Drew Brees looks washed. If you ever thought that he was going to sling the ball like Mahomes, then you haven't watched a game in hardly Brees' career. He just That's just not who he is. He's an accurate passer. Um, Emmanuel Sanders kind of wet the bed on the, on the stat line. But yeah. uh, maybe, maybe this, this shows them that they've got some other players who can really show up. Because, uh, I mean, they didn't even really throw the ball to Jared Cook that much. Um, I think the guy was named Harris that they kept going to, little quick guy that returns mm-hmm. uh, kicks for him. Um, I thought he played well. I thought that uh, I thought the Saints defense showed up and looked great the first drive, and then after that, they they the, I think the real story was penalties, man, penalties, penalties, penalties. They got to figure something out on what, like how they're gonna how they're gonna play defense and not get these big uh, big holding and pass interference calls. They made it look like the Raiders drafted Henry Ruggs just so he can get PI calls going down the field. Um, so, man, I mean, I, I, I think I'm with you, Swab. I, I wish that I could disagree with you just to make this a little bit more interesting. But, dude, the Saints are going to get it together. They're getting their best player back. And, uh, man, I thought the Raiders looked good. But uh, you give them Michael Thomas, it might be a different game. Um, Hampton, what, what do you got to say about that? So, on the Saints front, uh, I, I agree that, you know, it's tough without Michael Thomas. I think I saw a stat today where – Drew Brees since 2016 is one and three or one and four without Michael Thomas. Um, so he hadn't had much success without him, which is understandable. Um, he's a star receiver, top five in the league. Um, Kamara played outstanding. Um, I think he's had a really good bounce back year after a somewhat disappointing 2019 season, which I think a lot of that was due to his um, sprained MCL. So I think he's looked good. I think he's looked good. I I kind of want to shift, and I want to turn this to the Raiders because I was very impressed with what I saw from them. I think they've been building in the draft, and when you know when they traded Khalil Mack for all those first round picks, everyone laughed at him, everyone mocked him. But John Gruden and Mike Mayock had a plan, and they have implemented that plan they've gotten really fast at receiver they've gotten really good skill position players they built their offensive line they've spent more money on their offensive line than any other team in the league and it shows with josh jacobs for going for over 100 total yards again um just being a doggone bowling ball running people over finishing runs um i think his quad got hurt in the game he went back in to deliver some more punishment uh, Henry Ruggs gives you that threat of going deep um, to keep the defense honest. I like what Brian Edwards did. Um, but the story of the game offensively for them was Darren Waller, who might mm. be a top three tight end in the league. Um, yeah. I don't think I don't and I don't think I'm overreacting because I think last year he had a really good year, but the Raiders didn't really play in prime time, so he wasn't featured as much. But he is an elite route runner, has incredible hands. And the way that John Gruden – you talked about Sean Payton calling a game. John Gruden, when he is in his bag, is – it is a sight to behold. Um, One play in particular on the goal line, they used Waller as a decoy and then slipped the fullback out. The throw touchdown pass to him was beautiful. I think their defense, um, while not great – they were more bend but don't break, and I think they have a future start with uh, Jonathan Abram at the position. So sure. um, I really like what I saw from them. 
Um, and I think the Saints are a very solid team, but Drew Brees worries me. I said that last week. Um, I'm going to keep saying it. The arm is just not there. I know he hadn't made his living off his arm strength, but it has declined rapidly, and it looks like it's getting worse by the game. Um, so, Graham, what's your analysis on uh, on that game? I just want to talk about the Raiders for a second. I think them moving to Las Vegas is one of the best moves in their franchise's history. You you look at a place like Oakland that is never willing to spend the money to invest in a nice quality stadium uh, for good football teams or baseball teams. You see the o- Oakland Athletics and the Raiders still had to play on the same field, um, and it's two th- it was 2019. So moving to Las Vegas – uh, was a great move by the Raiders, and you look at, at their stadium, uh, Allegiant Stadium. It's beautiful on the outside. It's uh, man, it, it competes at the top of of the NFL with new stadiums uh, like Jerry's World in Dallas and the the new stadium in uh, Los Angeles, as well as Mercedes Benz and um, Atlanta. Uh, so I think that the Raiders moving to uh, Las Vegas is is one of the moves that. Uh, I don't think we have given enough attention to. I, I think that moving to Las Vegas has been a, a great idea. They're going to a, a community that's really going to invest uh, in them and have a fan base that that supports them. Uh, but going by the game, I was I was impressed by the Raiders. It it takes a good team to beat the Saints, uh, even when the Saints don't don't come to play that much. I mean the the Saints with with Sean Payton, uh, they always just they just they're, the games are always close. You never can blow out the Saints. Um, it seems like. Um, but one thing I, I, I just want to mention that uh, years ago, uh, Peyton Manning was, he became really famous for having the pre-snap cadence of uh, Omaha, Omaha, maybe some pre-snap adjustments or um, an audible, we don't know. But I would like to mention uh, the Raiders' new pre-snap cadence, and that is Cindy Gruden. <laughs> Cindy Gruden, and that is John Gr- that is that's that's Coach Gruden's wife uh, made uh, an appearance. So uh, I don't know if uh, Derek Carr and John Gruden uh, have a, a special connection uh, to that, <laughs> but uh, I, I was I was impressed by the Raiders. It was their first game in their new stadium, and uh, the the play of the Raiders almost lived up to the uh, the eye test and the uh, just the beauty of that stadium. So if the Raiders keep playing like they did Monday. Uh, that stadium's going to be full of fans for years to come. I totally, I totally agree, Graham. I totally agree. Um, and to kind of wrap up, you know, our recap of um, Week One games, I wanted you to talk about, um, you know, the joke of the league, in my opinion. Um, well, other than the Jets or someone like that, um, <laughs> the Atlanta Falcons. Can you please, can you please just indulge me on uh, the abomination that they are absolutely Hampton whatever your heart desires oh thank you um we we saw lots of good football this week we saw performances <laughs> from the Saints and uh some could say from the Patriots uh, the Seahawks are playing well uh, the Bills are hanging on but you look at the game in Dallas the Atlanta Falcons forced two fumbles and were up night had a 19 point lead in the first half everything was rolling for atlanta we thought they'd figured out the defense the offense was making plays matt ryan looked kind of like an mvp quarterback in the first half and then the second half came (laughs) and the falcons fell apart the falcons finally showed up that's what happened. That's Fa- right. That's right. The Falcons, yeah. Dan Quinn really got he, – he must have really got on the headset during the second half and, and was like, you know what, it's my team. I'm going to take uh, I'm gonna take the reins. And we saw what happened is the, sink, the, the ship just couldn't help but sink. With two minutes and 52 seconds left in the game, the Atlanta Falcons, y'all catch this, had a 99.9% chance to win. <laughs> And you know what happened? They lost. Years ago, in 2017, whenever the Falcons made uh, the Super Bowl and played Tom Brady and the Patriots, uh, I was a big Falcons fan, loved watching them. And then the second half of the Super Bowl came along and the disappointment struck. And so after that, 
it was just hard for me to be a Falcons fan. It was hard for me to cheer for a team that was just going to disappoint me. And in the first half of this week's game against Dallas, my heart started to pull back. My heart was starting to lean back to the Falcons and said, maybe they have it back together. And after the game, towards the end of the game, and after the game, I told my dad, I said, you know why I'm not a Falcons fan? Because of the third and fourth quarters. They <laughs> never come to play. Exhibit A, exhibit B. <laughs> exhibit A, exhibit B. I, I've been impressed with the Falcons' offense this year. They, they've they scored yeah. points. They've moved the football. Um, they can throw the ball on, on almost anybody. But that defense is absolutely horrendous. <laughs> they forced two fumbles in the first quarter. And then where'd they go? They must have had a party in the second half because none of them showed up. Um, and, and But young Koku for the, the Falcons had a, a good game cook. kicking. Let him cook. <laughs> and then uh, Greg Zerlin from the Cowboys uh, kicking game ha- had a good week. Young Koku is, is also well known for his onside kick ability. Greg Zerlin might be in the conversation now because he absolutely fooled the Falcons. They were looking at the ball like it was about to explode. I, I don't, I don't know what to say. I, the The Atlanta Falcons are uh, they're, they're hot garbage. They're uh, they're they're ter- they're terrible. They they don't excite me at all. All they do is disappoint their fans. Uh, Arthur Blank has a great. Uh, great facilities in Atlanta. He is uh, really built around uh, the fan base in Atlanta, uh, which whenever you come, whenever they, the team comes to play, the Falcons fans are there, but it's, it's hard for me to be a fan now. I, I don't know if there's going to be anybody in Mercedes Benz next year, unless, uh, <laughs> unless they get rid of Dan Quinn. So uh, Carson, did you watch any of that game? Did you have uh, anything that really excited you or disappointed in with the Falcons more or less? You say Carson? I think you meant Chase. Um, <laughs> uh, no, nah, Graham, I, I think you covered it really well. I mean, just being a Falcons fan, it's just it's just really tough. Um, I, I think I think at this point, you do have to look at the head coach. It comes down to decisions like that. You you just can't let that happen. Um, uh, and and I think we can just end it on saying, let Young Koku, um, let him cook, man. Um, dude's got a heck of a leg. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think you covered it well. What a disappointment! I mean, it, it it makes for good TV, but that's probably that's probably the best thing I can say about the Falcons. Um, I I think that it'd be interesting to look into how many years like like Julio Jones might be one of the greatest wide receivers of all time, and it's like like are they wasting? Like, are we gonna look back and just be like, what a waste of talent? Like like not, like what they had? Did they mm-hmm. did they just completely waste him? Um, it kind of breaks my heart to think about that. But uh, if no one else has anything, if, if somebody does, you can chime in. But um, we can definitely keep keep the ball moving. Uh, last thing I have to say, if young Koku needs to cook, then Dan Quinn needs to cook at McDonald's. Uh, that He's terrible. I, I don't know why anybody hired him, why he hasn't been fired yet. After you give up a lead like that in the Super Bowl – and this week against the Cowboys, kick that guy to the curb, take him to McDonald's. I'm sure they're hiring. I, I just don't know what else to say. There's nothing else for me to say uh, to justify the Falcons being anything other than hot garbage. So we can move on from that. Um, and, and so we can just move on. That, that's all there is to say about the Falcons. All they do is disappoint. And all they do is let you down. So uh, to all the Falcons fans out there, uh, you hate to see it. Well, I'll Graham, like um, thing real quick. Okay, go ahead, Suave. Go Just ahead. Just to prove how bad the Falcons are. Since 1933, teams who have scored 39 points or more are 440 and 0 until the Falcons played last weekend. Mm. They're record breakers, baby. Come on. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, Graham, if you told me how you really felt about the Falcons, man, I couldn't That's imagine. Right. <laughs> You <laughs> couldn't imagine how uh, how bad that would be. Um, hey, I I don't get paid for just mediocre talk. I got to go all in. I hear no. I hear I mean, you all in credit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> all in credit. 
if I'm if I'm going to sit here and talk about a team as bad as the Falcons, I'm going to give you my honest opinion. And the honest thing is, is that I hate talking about them. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's terrible. Yeah. I mean, it honestly hurts. By f- it, I feel bad having to say that about the Falcons. But then I watch their games and I say, maybe I didn't say enough. Maybe I didn't go far enough. Maybe they're worse than what I've said. Yeah. Um, no. But goodness gracious, the Falcons are are a sinking ship. <laughs> Dan Quinn needs to get out of there. Uh, before if Arthur Blank uh, wants to save the Falcons, our, uh, Dan Quinn has to go. Yeah. That that's it. No, I've I I uh, I concur, Graham. That's all I can say. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we throw it on over to Suave, um, a couple other teams that really impressed us were um, the Rams had another impressive victory over um, the Eagles, whose wings have been clipped apparently. Uh, the Rams played another phenomenal game. Jared Goff is looking really good. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see kind of where their season trajectory is going. Uh, the Bills with a win over the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Josh Allen, before this year, never thrown for over 300 yards in a game. He's done it twice this year. Looking really, really good. Maybe uh, Stefan Diggs has unlocked that offense. So uh, those are two teams that I think we really need to monitor as we go forward um, in the season. Uh, so with that, I'll throw it over to Old Suave to give us the uh, breaking news injury report. Uh, and folks, you might want to be here a while because there are a lot. So go ahead, Suave. Yes, they are. So over the past weekend, we had seven players with torn ACLs that are going to be out for the year. We have uh, mm-hmm. Tevin Young, cornerback mm-hmm. for the Ravens, Cortland Sutton, wide receiver Broncos. Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas from the Niners. You have Marquise Blair and Bruce Irvin from the right from the Seahawks. You have Saquon Barkley from the Giants. Also, Philip Dorsett is on IR with a foot injury. Alshon Jeffrey is out this week. Drew Locke is uh, out for the next two or three weeks with an ankle injury. Demarcus Walker is out, and then McCaffrey is out with an ankle injury for four to six weeks. Hmm. And the wow. news, uh, the Giants today have just signed Devontae Freeman on a one-year contract. Uh, he will hopefully be the Giants running back, starting running back while Saquon is out for the year. The Broncos signed Blake Bortles for a one-year contract while Drew Locke is out for the next few weeks. And another yeah, that, that's, that's all the news. Well, that is quite a lengthy injury report and news section. I think a lot of teams' um, seasons have been altered with all these injuries, especially, um, I mean, the 49ers have just been ravaged by injuries going into the year. They might have been a Super Bowl favorite. I don't think we can be saying that anymore. Uh, let's say you guys a quick, quick little word on that. All the defensive line for the 49ers is hurt. Uh, you better uh, back Richard Sherman up and hope they don't beat you deep. Yeah. Man, I, no. I, I, I just concur, man. I mean, the funny thing is, is I'm glad that I, – I will say on the other side of the ball, it seems like the 49ers are always using some running back that I've really never heard of, but it mm-hmm. somehow can put up 15 fantasy points each week. So I think they'll be fine on that side of the ball. I'm just curious to see what happens with, uh, with Garoppolo. Um, man, I, I, I just, yeah, everybody on their team is, is hurt right now, man. It's, it stinks, man. Like you said, they, they were, they were supposed to be one of those teams that were supposed to really shake that division and like again this year and man, just getting just absolutely wrecked. Yeah, no, I, I, to use your word, I concur. Um, <laughs> so we're going to move in to the final portion of our, uh, our discussion here today. So I teased in the opening. Um, that we were going to discuss a quarterback who has had a little bit of a cam back. <laughs> um, hey. Hey-o. Um, so we're, we want to talk about, with the Patriots, we discussed them earlier, is Cam's performance a product of Bill Belichick's coaching and his system, or is it because of Cam's athleticism? Um, I'm going to throw it to old Chase, and he'll get us kicked off in the conversation. Man, I, I feel like, not in a private way, but I feel like I come up with these these questions in my head. 
because like they bug me, man. I don't know what the answer is. Um, mm-hmm. Man, I thought Cam looked. I mean, he he's more athletic than Brady. I think that Brady, the 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 char- characteristic that's always talked about is man, he just finds a way to win. And I and I, I really wonder if on sun like on Sunday, do they win that game if Brady's playing quarterback? But dude, like they just they don't have anybody that like. Like Edelman is is such a good player. I love watching him play, but mm-hmm. other than that, man, they just don't have any other talent. It seems like they. I mean, they have talent. They just have teamwork. It seems like, and for me, I feel like I have to contribute that to this Belichick system. I don't feel like they have as much. Um, I don't feel like they have as much success this year, just because. I mean, like, dude. I mean, give them some grace. They have a like a quarterback. This is his first year there. I mean, they didn't expect for him to take him to the to the Super Bowl. So I don't think that they win every game or anything crazy like that. But man, I, I really got to wonder where does like if somebody's going to be impressed by Cam coming this, into this year, um, uh, it's going to be interesting where he lands. If if Belichick's like this is my guy, we could do something special, or if he just takes another one, man, and just puts another one into the system. But uh, I give Cam a lot of credit. But at the end of the day. Man, I really like the way that Belichick coaches. Um, he's got something going on. What about you, Suave? Oh, I, I, I like the game. It was a very good game, but you can't blame the Patriots. When you're going up against Russell Wilson in Seattle, and this man has thrown nine touchdowns to one interception, and he has more touchdowns than incompletions. Hmm. You cannot complain about the Patriots' effort, and they're one play away from winning. If Cam – Instead of him going left, he goes right and does a Superman yep. dive over the end zone. Then we're we're talking about a whole different story here. But you you are exactly right with the wide receivers, other than Julian Edelman and Nikhil Harry. Who's the other people that are going to help Cam out down the field and actually throw the ball and air it out? Well, what do you think, Carson? Graham, I think that's going to be to you. I think we might have lost Carson. Um, But just to add on to what Suave said, um, it's tough for the Patriots to come into a place like Seattle and even put a performance as close as what they did. Uh, I mean, Russell Wilson's only interception still ended up in a touchdown, so he just he can't help but throw touchdown passes. Mm. Um, But what one thing I noticed from this week is that uh, to me, Cam. Best dressed player in the league. He always <laughs> comes with some swag. Always comes uh, just looking good, and we just have to wonder if that puts a uh, has an impact on his performance on the field. And then Stephen Belichick, who is Bill Belichick's son, <laughs> definitely best hair award. Uh, the Patriots have it going on. Uh, they have it going on on the field and off the field. Um, but I was very impressed by the Patriots uh, coming up close. Uh, the one thing that I'm kind of wondering about the Patriots is are they going to start to uh, put in some uh, read option type of plays for Cam Newton? We saw a lot of quarterback power, uh, which was effective for most of the game, but uh, the last play of the game, that quarterback power to the left did, uh, did not end up working. Um, and so is it Cam or is it the Belichick system? I think it still has to do – with Bill Belichick, he is in control of uh, of all the aspects of the game, uh, and he's never had a quarterback with uh, the the type of talent that Cam uh, possesses. He he can throw the ball, he can run the ball, uh, a freak athlete. Um, so I think that uh, Bill Belichick's system would work well with anybody at quarterback. But uh, when you look at either Cam Newton or Jarrett Stenham back there, I think that Cam Newton takes it to another level. Um, so I would say Bill Belichick's system for sure, but Cam Newton brings a lot to the table, and the Patriots are going to be exciting to watch for the rest of the season. Graham, do you, you mind if I chime in real quick? I, I, I'm not going to take, take long. I, I just I saw a report whenever you talked about him being well dressed. I mean, I think that's one thing we can all sit back and just appreciate is how much like Cam is Cam. Like he didn't change. Everybody thinks about it. he's going to go to this system and he's going to radically change. No, Cam is still Cam. And one thing that's really cool that I think we're getting to see about Camp's personality is that he he does love to just, like, silence the doubters. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think, man, if you're a coach, if you're a boss, 
if you're a leader, man, a lot of people, uh, there's, well, I, I would just say there's not a lot of people that are good followers. And I think that right now, Cam's showing that he's a good follower. I saw a report that they said that that he, uh, on the plane ride from New England to Seattle, that he studied the playbook the whole entire trip, whatever that is, seven hours, somebody on the team was just like, we're, we're glad to have him. That's the kind of leadership that I want. That's the kind of drive. That's the kind of person I want to play for. And I think they're setting a really good foundation. I, I, I just want to throw it in there. Hampton, what, what did you think about the game? Well, um, I gave I gave some of my thoughts on the game earlier. Um, and while y'all were talking, you know, I was kind of thinking on how to answer the question of what do we owe Cam's success in the first two weeks to? Do we owe it to Belichick? Um, or do we owe it to, like, Cam actually working his tail off to get back healthy and, um, like, his just God-given ability? Um because I think I've told you before, Chase, and I probably have said it a couple of times. I'm an Alabama fan. I hate Auburn. Um, I did not Stroke like out. Cam when he was at Strota. There you go. Um, I did not like Cam when he was at Auburn. But I am objective enough to say that Cam is the best college football player I've ever seen. Um, with my own eyes, I'm not saying he's the best ever. But what he did in that season at Auburn, when no one can probably – I mean, some of y'all hardcore football fans might, but the average Joe does not know anybody um, that Cam had to throw to that year. He didn't. Ha- they didn't have that much talent on that Auburn team. If he's not on that Auburn team, they are a mediocre 500 football team. So I think all of this um, two-week success, I think the coaches have done a good job um, devising a system that works for him. But I think it's on him because the Patriots have not gotten one more offensive weapon than they had last year with Tom Brady. And you saw what, how Tom Brady looked with Julian Edelman last year, with Nikhil Harry last year, with um, you know Rex Burkhead and all those guys. And even with Cam, um, he has less running backs than Tom Brady had because James White, as we said, um, you know, prayers out to him with – uh, his family being fall, being involved in a car crash, he didn't play. Damian Harris, the projected starter for the year, has a um, injured pinky, so he's out for a while. Hate to see it. Yeah, hate <laughs> to see it. You really do, because um, I, I I think Damian was going to be really good for them, um, but he's not playing. And then their receivers, like we said earlier, they're kind of average, and he threw for three hundred. Well, I'm, I'm trying to pay. Hey, I'm trying to be generous. I'm trying to be generous. Um, you need to go like Graham did on them. <laughs> they, they should be working at McDonald's, okay? That's right, um, that's right. But um, no, they they're kind of average. And Cam threw for 397 yards, mm. which he's only. I think he's only done. I think that's the third most um, passing yards that he's had in his career. Um, I mean that's impressive. Uh, I, Tom Brady wasn't doing that last year. He wasn't elevating their level of play, but Cam is, and I think you got to give a lot of credit to him. Uh, like you said, he's resilient. He likes to prove doubters wrong. Uh, I mean, he did that at Auburn because when he went to Auburn, uh, he had just come off of being kicked out of Florida for stealing a laptop. Um, <laughs> sorry for the giggle, but it gets me every time. Um, and you know, he kind of went through a tumultuous um, junior college experience, and then he got to Auburn and won the Heisman and won the national championship. And it looks like he's on that similar course this year of being doubted and um, rising to the occasion. So I really, as a non-CAM fan, I've been very um, – I respect the way he's playing and can't wait to see kind of where he goes and where he takes his Patriots team because um, I, I think they have a really good shot of being a playoff team and um, being able to upset some um, teams this fall. I think that uh, Cam Newton will definitely win an NFL Comeback Player of the Year award. Wow. I mean, yeah, just look, I agree. look at it. A, a guy that missed all of last season, went unsigned for most of free agency, and then Bill Belichick scoops him up 
and takes him to the top. So I, I don't know if there's a better situation I could think of for Cam Newton to be in than uh, Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Uh, so the come, NFL Comeback Player of the Year award uh, is definitely going to be Cam Newton, in my opinion. No matter what, no matter how the season goes, I, I think that he was overlooked and uh, just come to prove the doubters wrong. So that's all I have to say on that. No, I to- I totally agree, man. Totally agree. Um, so I think with that, guys, um, that is the end of week two of the Trojan Tailgate Podcast Network NFL Recap Show. Um, it was an honor and a privilege to uh, get together with you guys again and chat up a little football and um, give the listeners something that hopefully um, they can learn from a little bit and that they and en- they enjoy. Um, we will be back next week, um, hopefully with the recap of NFL Week 3 uh, and more discussion questions like the one at the end. We try to uh, come up with something innovative that sparks good, good discussion and something you probably won't hear uh, anywhere else. But, uh, guys, y'all got anything left to add? Thanks for uh, listening uh, to Week 2. Uh, as always, fellas, I, I enjoyed it. It was a great week um, of NFL football and just week three, man. We had a lot to talk about week one and week two. Week three, what what's going to be the conversation? I am just I just can't wait for it. It's going to be exciting. Yeah, it's going to be really, really fun to see who – I mean, I, I think that the injuries are just – it sounds awful, but are just getting started. Um, I agree. I, I, I heard a lot of them talk about – they're just – man, the players have not done much um, – like, yeah, they, they've done a good job getting ready for the season, man, but it's just like, you know, nothing gets you ready like live reps. And uh, I think that we just – the play. It, it, I really hate to see that, that this has come to some people, like, literally, you know, missing the whole entire season. So I think this is just, just the start of it. Um, there might, there's going to be some teams that look completely different come playoff time. Um, so we'll see if it's going to be the, the race of who can keep everyone healthy or if it's the race of, who's the one who can get to the waiver wire and sign some free agents that really come in and make some noise. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. And uh, guys be on the lookout for our uh, SEC preview show um, that will be coming out later this week too. And we will talk to you guys next week. <laughs>